0: Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
1: Indoors or out, fall, winter, spring, and summer, whenever you garden, wherever you garden, this is the show that covers it all, the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dalvin.
2: Hello, and good morning on this 21st day of November. Isn't that amazing, Charlie? It
1: is. How do you... I mean, you're great. You just always
3: know what day it is. I'm glad you remind me.
2: (laughs) Well, I have to line up all the interviews for my show that's Uh, following your show, and so I have the date firmly implanted in my little noggin. Not much else there, but... But you know it's the 21st of
3: November. That's right. Yeah.
2: My one claim to fame. Oh, he knows where he is today. Uh, (laughs) Let's see... Uh, Phone lines. It's going to squeeze this in right off the top. Okay. And our mantra, of course, is call early, call often, but one question per call. Okay. Perfect. 416 3600740. For those of you who are listening in from Toronto or anywhere else in the province, it's a toll free call. 1 866 740 4740. And uh, I'm Frank you. Proctor, and yes. uh, Grace is in the next room there. That'll be the first voice that you actually uh, hear when you call those
3: numbers. That's right. Waiting to take all those calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of announcements before we get yeah. to any of our callers. Uh this today, actually, uh, is the last day of the big, <clears throat> very large, annual East York Rotary Auction. Uh, it's got over 650 items in the auction. And, of course, it's, it's a big fundraiser. Rotarians do good works all over the world Absolutely. with the money they raise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff. You can check out exactly what's for sale on the web, and you can bid on the web, or if you're in the Toronto area, you can watch live on television. This is oh, It's all day today, right through till midnight. So it's Rogers 10 if you're in the 416 mm-hmm. dialing area. Uh, otherwise, if you want to look on the web, it's www.eastyorkrotary.org. And then just click on auction uh, uh, items. I was telling Frank before we uh, came on air that uh, my brother is a Rotarian, so he's right. involved in this auction. And he was telling me there's some... some Things that are, you know, trip to Mexico, uh, tickets to sports events, even jewelry made by the same woman who made the brooch that Michelle Obama wore during the inauguration. Wow! Yeah, so I mean, really, just great stuff. and stuff, oh, hey, beautiful yeah, stuff. great.
2: Well, the Rotarians are uh, have long been known for their work. Uh, Rotary International, yes. you know, just do some wonderful work.
3: And of course, one of the uh, to me sort of touches my heart is we often see. Uh, gardens and parks Mm -hmm. that Rotarians, that the Rotary has sponsored and and paid for and maintains, particularly at the entrances to small towns and and villages and hamlets. Well,
2: a tip of the old Moreland hat here to all Rotarians. Yes, exactly. So thanks
3: to the Rotarians for that and and good luck with the auction. Um, Also, would you like to know the latest word on rose growing? No. If (laughs) Oh yes I would (laughs) No you wouldn't but perhaps some of our listeners are interested in rose growing and if they are the Huronia Rose Society sorry we shouldn't laugh at that it's only because Frank lives in a condo he doesn't have any roses I have lots of roses I'm interested in this the Huronia Rose Society presents Mark DeZero on uh, this Monday November the 30th or I guess a week this Monday November 30th 7.30pm at the Barry Public Library library. Mark is co-owner of Langford Gardens in Brantford. The presentation will be followed by the usual Q&A time, refreshments, and lucky draws. The public are all welcome.
2: Well, there you go. So
3: don't expect to see Frank there, but (laughs) uh, anybody... I'm a
2: rose of a different color, yes.
3: (laughs) No rosarian Mm -hmm. there, eh? Okay. Um, Well, I do have a couple... I just want one more quick update. Sure. Remember Gary? Oh, Gary, yeah. Canary, Canary Island, Island. Gary. Gary. Yes. Okay, Gary, I hope you're not off on another trip and you're <laughs> here and you're listening. Sorry, I just, I'm having too much fun teasing you on this. But Gary called a few weeks ago and asked about black currants. Then, when I couldn't answer immediately, Promised f- following week to follow up with him, but he had taken off on a trip. Called again <laughs> last week, and I was not able to help him out right away. So I gave him a hard time, and uh, <laughs> hopefully, like I say, he's listening. Now, remember, Diane did phone later in the show last week, and yeah. she had some great information. Of course, she pointed out that you never trim Um, any of the currants unless it's right after you've been harvesting the currants, Mm. just because that's, that's like any flowering shrub, right? We prune right after flowering. Well, of course, in the case of a fruiting shrub... You let the flowers go to fruit. Right. Then you prune right after you're harvesting the fruit. So, of course, that would be midsummer. You know, mm-hmm. roughly early August. Um, now, Diane commented that the black currants are pretty cool because they self-clean. That they often just older wood just naturally starts to die off and is
2: and they'll just be brown sticks. Uh, that's right, and they'll just kind of break
3: yeah. off and fall out, and and the pruning is kind of done for you. If that's not the case in in your case, you've got some very old wood in that shrub. The trick is with the, any of the currents is that the um, you do want to remove three year or older stems. You can remove them right from ground right. level, or you can trim them higher. It just depends on what kind of a shape you want that shrub to be. You want know, to be mm-hmm. you know tall and narrow, or short and round, because uh, your trimming will it will have impact on the ultimate shape. But uh, but yeah, so not too hard to do. Nothing for Gary to do right away. So go back <laughs> on all your trips, but but. But be aware, early August, right around harvest time, do Good your pruning. Yeah, I hope he's listening. this. Morning. I do, he too. Did. He was
2: a nice guy because he laughed. Uh, well, I hope we so. I mean, I
3: do shot, love you know? teasing people, but sometimes you wonder <laughs> if you go too far, right?
2: <laughs> nah. Hey, the phone numbers, uh, just before we take our first commercial break here, uh, our phone numbers, 416-360-0740 in Toronto. And uh, you want to reach the Garden Show, uh, Charlie Dobbins Garden Show, from anywhere in the province, it's one 866 and we'll return in just a moment to chat with Shirley who's on the line from Etobicoke after these words
1: transplanting good ideas from one gardener to another this is the AM 740 garden show with Charlie Dobbin and Sue
2: Chef Frank Proctor here, along with our uh, controller in the other room there, Grace, <laughs> who kind of keeps us in, in, in line as <laughs> she tries to. Uh, Shirley in Etobicoke, hi, good morning. Good morning,
4: morning. morning. Good morning, Cherry.
3: What's going on with your garden?
4: Well, it's a jade a jade plant that I purchased in September. I'd had one for years previously, but I, I bought a new one in September, mm-hmm. and it. I face north. I know that's not the best place for a jade plant, but my old one done so well. But anyway, every morning I come out, there's a few leaves on, uh, on the ground, on the carpet, you know, Mm -hmm. like, uh, I don't know, like I'm only watering it once a week right now, thoroughly, but, uh, these I mean, it's getting kind of sparse, like uh, every day there's two or three of these, you know, those little yeah. leaves off it.
3: Sure. Well, keep in mind that if you just bought it in September, it, whoever you bought it from, from probably brought it from Florida to sell it to consumers in Ontario. Now... The trick is, is that, of course, Florida is much sunnier than September is in Ontario. And so the plant has leaves that are all set up for a certain level of light. When we bring these plants into our home, and like you said, you're in a north window, so it's even lower light than, than say, a southern window would be, the plant has to get um, sort of reattuned to lower light levels. It will very naturally and normally drop some leaves, older leaves, as a result of this lower light level. Meanwhile, new growth should be coming from the tips, and that new growth, those new leaves, will be perfectly able to handle uh, the light levels you're providing.
4: I see. Well, like, I, I do have it on the floor. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like a floor plant, It's mm-hmm. quite large, you know. Yeah. And... So, would that, well, I I can't put it up any higher, you know what I mean? It's too heavy.
3: No, exactly. I would, you know, remember, you are the master. (laughs) As much as we love our plants and we want them to do well, they have to work with us, right? They have to work with our needs, whether it's our decorating needs or our, you know, our home realities. So, don't worry. What you want that jade to do, it will do. But... One thing I would recommend is pre- be prepared that some leaves will drop. No big deal. You'll just put them in the composter and recognize that new leaves will come. Uh-huh. But be careful with the watering. Once a week, particularly in a, with a big pot, a big plant, lots of soil, uh, it's very easy. Even though the surface may feel dry after six, five or six days, there could be quite a lot of moisture still in that soil below ground, below surface. Okay. So <clears throat> one of two things, stick your finger in the soil, you know, down as far as you can to feel the moisture level before you do any watering or get a hold of a little gizmo called a moisture meter. It's a probe, and the little probe goes right into the soil, down, you know, 8, 10 inches. It's got a a little gauge on the top, and the gauge will tell you what the moisture levels are where the little tip of the probe has reached. And um, you'll never kill a jade by underwatering, but you can definitely kill a jade by overwatering.
4: Would you repeat that for me again? You'll
3: never kill a jade plant by underwatering. Okay. I,
4: water it with a, I, I put it in the uh, kitchen sink, like I can get it, and I water, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I let it sit in the sink for an hour until I think it's, you know, all run through. Or mm-hmm. should I be putting it, like soaking it, like put a stopper in the sink and let it get
3: no, up from the bottom? No, 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 what you're doing is great. I just think you're doing it too often. Off the top of my head, I'd probably do exactly what you're doing, mm-hmm. but every two to three weeks rather than every week. Oh. Particularly now, right? But this is the time of year when plants are using less water. Light levels are lower. Days are shorter. Plants are just naturally having their own little semi dormant time. Uh, this is the slowest time for water usage because this is the slowest time for growth.
4: So I should really, I, I shouldn't be watering it once a week, is what you're saying.
3: I think not.
4: Oh, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you.
2: you are listening to Charlie <laughs> Dobbin here at AM 740, and
0: we'll return to have a chat with Florence in Cas right after these words you're listening to an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740
1: getting to the root of a growing dilemma this is the am 740 garden show with charlie dobbin
2: Frank Proctor, along with the uh, diva of dirt here on AM 740. My favorite sous chef. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, we're off to Castleton to say hi to Florence. Hi, Florence.
3: Hello. Morning.
5: Good morning. Now, my question is about strawberries again. Mm -hmm. I have uh, Everberry strawberries in a galvanized container,
3: Mm. and
5: I'm just wondering, what do I do with them for the winter? How do I store them?
3: Is there any way you could uh, bury that container underground?
5: Well, you know what? That's exactly what I've done. Okay. But I just wanted to know if that was the uh, the good thing to do. It's
3: a great thing to do. It's your best, most reliable way to ensure that the strawberries survive the winter.
5: Yes, and then I'm just going to put straw over top mm-hmm. of them as as it gets colder.
3: Perfect. Yeah. Uh, and you're absolutely right. As it gets colder, don't do the straw any sooner than you sh- than you know no, you no, can. Uh, so hold off on that. And then it's just a question. And waiting till the ground thaws in the spring. Okay, once
6: the that's gr- great.
3: Once the ground thaws, you're able to lift the, the pot up out of the soil, yes. scrub all that mud off of the beautiful container, put it out in a sunny location, and before you know it, you're chowing down on whipped cream and strawberries. <laughs> great. That sounds
1: great. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot,
3: Charlie. Thanks for your call, Florence.
2: bye Have a good day in Castleton. Uh, that's Florence calling mm-hmm. into Charlie Duffman's Garden Show here at AM 740. And uh, w- better repeat those phone numbers one more time. 416 360 740 in Toronto and anywhere else in the province, it is toll free, my friends, one 740 4740 Hi, Ruth in Thornhill. Morning, Ruth. Hi, how are you? Great, how are you? Uh, I have a problem. Mm. My husband, uh,
7: before he passed, loved orchids, you mm-hmm. know, the indoor orchids? Yes. And, and I have about six plants, but mm-hmm. I'm being inundated with the silver roots, I guess they're the roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do I do? I can't cut them off. I know that's not good.
3: No. So when you say inundated, it's just, it's just looking like a mass of roots now, yeah. these plants?
7: I have more roots than I have flowers. <laughs>
3: um, sometimes that's just the natural... What happens with the plants, you know, that they they go through certain cycles, growing leaves, growing flowers, growing roots. You're absolutely right that those – the reason they look silver is there's a little silver, um, almost like a little coat on the root, covering the root. But through that silver, there will be green, and those roots are actually photosynthesizing and, and supporting the plant. They're also, believe it or not, absorbing air, oxygen from the air, carbon dioxide from the air, and that's supporting the plant as well. So all of that above ground root stuff is fine. I it's, just
7: leave it on top. of the, I mean, I don't cut it away
3: or I no, never cut it under. away. Um, and and misting, of course, because a, a lot of moisture is also absorbed with those roots. Oh, and so the root. yeah, so mist always mist once or twice a day, keeping the humidity mm-hmm. as high as you can around the orchids. It might be time to do some repotting, and that's what that root action might be telling you.
7: And you don't cover the roots, though, do you? No,
3: okay. never. No, no, because that's um, we had a call last week actually. Somebody same kind of question. The trick with orchids is that they are epiphytes. They they don't naturally grow in soil. Uh, the only reason we put them in a pot with a little bit of bark is to give them something to stand in and to hold a little bit of moisture. The they orchids are designed to actually get everything they need from the air around them. Amazing. Yeah. So they. Um, so that's why, you know, you kind let them do their thing. I know they can be odd looking. But, <laughs> but like I say, it might be time to do some transplanting. Like all that root action might be telling you something about that. And I think um, maybe next week we might just have a, a call with a special guest on the subject of somebody who's a real orchid nut, knows a lot about orchids and, and can sort of fill us in on some of the common questions that we get. Because uh, orchids are beautiful when they're happy, and sometimes the, the question of what to do is, is not as tough to figure out.
7: May I just tell you something very quickly? My <laughs> husband was mad for orchids. Mm. Before he passed away, we had one plant that had 45 45- flowers on it. Wow. Oh, yeah. And I swear to you, I know it's going to be very hard to believe, but after he died, one fell every day. Oh. I still have the plant. Yeah. I have brought it back a little bit, but I don't have 45 plants.
3: I no, mean, flowers. flowers. Has it flowered since then?
7: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. good. Yeah, yes, I brought it back. Oh, good. But uh, I will listen next oh. week, and I thank you very much for your help.
3: Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks wow. for your call.
7: Take care. Bye. What a
2: touching
3: I call. I know. No, huh? I know. It's true. They Plants are pretty tuned in, you know? We... Think of them as inanimate objects, but they aren't really.
2: And then you, when you think of it, Prince Charles talks to them.
3: Right? So if, if royalty, you know. Well, yeah. that's really not a good example, that, though. <laughs> I know you're going to. No, no, let's stay right away <laughs> yeah. from that. Okay. Right?
2: Okay. Uh, let's see. Marie and Hoshua. <laughs> Welcome to the Charlie Dobbin Garden, Joe.
3: Good morning, Marie. Good morning. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? Very good. Thank you.
7: I have two rose bushes Mm -hmm. that are completely covered in buds again. Mm
3: -hmm. Do I cut them off? Oh, gosh, no. Leave them alone. Leave them alone? Yeah, you know why? It's this wacky weather we've been having. So if you go in there and take the buds off now, or do any, like, personally, I wouldn't do any pruning to the roses just because it's been too mild you go in there and start doing some pruning we get some more of this you know double digit temperatures going on you'll start forcing some more growth new growth is going to start to emerge which is you know very tender soft new growth so that's not what you want at all you want your roses to go to go to sleep so they are slowly but surely <laughs> shutting down but the the mild weather has meant that some flower buds have formed they are fattening up uh, there's no question i have roses flowering at my house as we speak but i just leave Leave them alone until it's you know we we still need that really ugly horrible cold weather you know freezing rain hurricane force winds that's when we go out and prune our roses <laughs> okay thank okay you. so leave them alone till then okay <laughs> thanks thank you.
2: thank you Marie for joining in the fun and frivolity of the garden <laughs> it's show. not
3: frivolous you well, should see me I wait till the worst possible well, weather and I'm out there doing my roses I,
2: I'm just thinking of what you said earlier you're going to get a, an orchid nut in here uh, what what self-respecting orchid lover would, would like to come on the show and be referred to as the or- orchid nut? Uh, I mean, really,
3: true. Well, I just, you just... <laughs> there's, there...
2: <laughs> oh, uh, you, you've got a lot of nutty friends, I know That's that.
3: true, I do, and, and I find that people that are really love something and, uh-huh. and, you know, they get a little obsessive about it and I sometimes refer to them as nerdy and then I think <laughs> that might be, you know, hurt their feelings, so just referring to them as a nut I don't think is always a bad thing.
2: Right, we are. Well, we better get back to the phone lines here. <laughs> All right. And uh, I do believe we're saying hi to Bob in Don Mills. Hi, Bob. Good day.
8: morning. Morning. Uh, we have another orchid question.
3: Okey-doke.
2: Uh, our son,
8: uh, for my wife's birthday, came in with this plant and said, Hi, Mom, happy birthday. And we've wound up with this for a month or so. Um, uh, the flowers are, are uh, some of the flowers are starting to uh, to, uh uh, go brown now and, mm-hmm. and whatever, and we're wondering how to winter an orchid.
3: <laughs> is, did it come with a tag? Do you have any idea what kind of an orchid it no, is?
8: No, just uh, um, he, he gave us the the orchid, and we, uh, we, we didn't even know it was an orchid until we... Uh, we uh, read a, uh, we sort of guessed at it. And Carol <laughs> called her uh, dad in England and
3: <laughs> explained, so described it we to We have
8: him. this thing; and it's beautiful, but mm-hmm. we're trying to think how, how do we keep take care of it over the winter?
3: Okay, is it what color is the fl- flowers?
8: Uh, it's uh, light uh, light flowers.
3: Mm-hmm. Light as in almost white? Yes. Okay. It's probably like the most common orchid that we're seeing uh, for sale and, and sort of out there. It's, it's so cute because orchids used to be so rare. And mm-hmm. then with some of the wonderful uh, abilities to breed and to propagate, suddenly orchids are becoming very, very common in garden centers and grocery stores. And they're beautiful and unusual. So we're getting My a lot son of... My
8: intimated this was a $40 flower. So.
3: Well, that's right. Oh, yeah. They're still pricey and beautiful. You know, I mean, they, they don't just kind of grow in a week. So anything that's of a size is often a couple of years old, and there's there's cost associated with that. But it's probably a phalaenopsis or moth orchid, right? Just like the the winged insect moth orchid, has a flat flaced. Flat faced flower right. about two inches across, numerous blooms born on arching stalks. Yes. Very popular. Needs steady temperature, just steady room temperature mm-hmm. and high humidity. Uh-huh. Okay, so your trick is humidity in our homes, forced air heat typically, dry air in the winter got to do whatever you can to raise the humidity. Uh, now, obviously having a humidifier on the furnace is great. Um, we spoke with somebody last week who has the, does a pebble tray, just a, a tr- like, a, like a cookie sheet kind of tray with gravel or pebbles right across the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Orchids sit on top of the pebbles and water is always kept in that tray. So the water is constantly evaporating up around the plants, but the plants are not actually sitting in the water.
8: I I was just thinking uh, we also have a a portable uh, uh, humidifier that we don't normally use because we have the humidifier on the furnace, but... Mm -hmm. Could, would that help to plug that in close to the plant?
3: It can. Just be careful; you don't want wind blowing right. on it because sometimes the humidifiers can put out a fair amount of uh, breeze. But uh, yeah, and or or affect temperature. So, but anything you can do, absolutely, to raise humidity is good. And even misting, obviously, does uh, temporary, you know, raises the uh, the humidity quite effectively. And finally, um,
8: when the flowers start to go a bit wonky and uh, die, we just clip them off. Mm-hmm. and
3: what what I what you know it's funny because when I first ever had an orchid I I treated it like I treat most flowers that as they f- finished flowering I just cut the stem off and walked away of course realized that that wasn't the right thing to do because quite often. Buds will form along the stem, and new flowers will pop off of that stem. So all you do is remove the brown wilted petals of the pa- you know the flower that's finished, but leave that stem alone. That green as long as that stem is green, leave it alone because strangely enough, new little side shoots can suddenly pop off, and more flowers can form. And you do want to make sure that plant is in a fairly bright spot. At this time of year, it could be right in a northern or eastern window, mm-hmm. so bright. Uh, you know, it could be indirect light, but it needs to be bright. I mentioned temperature, you know, good, regular, room temperature, mm-hmm. high humidity. And when you're doing your watering, whether it's misting or watering, make sure you, you're using room temperature water that has sat out for at least 24 hours. If you're using tap water. Wonderful. Thank okay. you so much. And yeah. by the
2: way, your show was wonderful.
3: Oh, good. Thank you so much. Good luck with that. Let Thanks. us know how it goes. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, Bob.
2: Thank you for calling in to Charlie Dobbin here at AM 740. On a not-bad Saturday morning, I mean, we're at the 21st day of November, and we're still getting incredible double-digit weather. Exactly, and we're
3: talking about roses that yeah. are still blooming in our gardens. Oh, yep. yeah. George. You know what? It's, I've got pansies blooming at my ha- in my backyard. I also suddenly realized, popping up through everything, I've got some bellflowers blooming. You know, which are should have gone dormant by now, but haven't. So, you know, the leaves have dropped in most cases, but uh, there's still some nice colors out there and odd little things are still popping out yeah. bloom. So the gardens are looking pretty nice. Yeah,
2: And this should be a good time of year, too, to get out in that backyard and maybe take a look at things and say hmm, I wonder next year what it's going to look like, and that's when they could call uh, folks like you, Charlie, that's, and come over and take a look at the garden. Then you, you've got kind of a, a bare landscape, or, or well, n- near to, to bear. bare.
3: You mean at this time of year or yeah. in the spring? Well, this time of year, um, it's sometimes hard to tell, because people will go, I mean, I've actually gone to people's homes to do some consulting mm. where uh, there's a bit of snow on the ground, and they'll oh, say, yeah. well, there's hostas here, and there's well, ferns there, and, so I'm, going, be able to see. Yeah. and I'm going, <laughs> well, you know, that doesn't really help, because you know what yeah. kind of hostas, and we'll how big or the yeah, ferns sure. and all that important stuff so it is a bit hard unless it's just a, a bare landscape or a blank slate mm-hmm. type situation it's easy to design that at this time of year but if there's an existing garden it's best to see some of that actually in it, it, doing its thing April so, early um, May yeah so. exactly depending on how early the mm-hmm. spring comes oh absolutely April usually most things have popped through and y- you know you know, I know what they are so it's just a matter of figuring out where they're best located well
2: right? there you go I, I just thought you, know, uh, you want to get a hold of Charlie uh, Via email, mm-hmm. very easy to do. It's C D-O-B-B-I-N, at am740.ca. Okay? Thanks for that, Frank. You're welcome. Let's say hi to Ray in Cambridge here. Hi, Ray. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Ray. Is this Ray Johnson? Uh, yes. Oh, perfect. I was just thinking about you because you were one of the people that got a hold of me via email.
8: Well, I'm having a hard time picking up on you, Charlie, so if you bear with me.
3: Okay, I'll listen to your question, and then maybe what we should do is let you hang up and listen to the answer.
8: Okay. Okay. Uh, my question is, I have two oleander bushes that I've had for quite a few years, and I put them inside a couple of hobby greenhouses that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are getting <clears throat> a kind of big and a little hard to handle anymore. Uh, as I said in my email, I'm a little getting a little long in the tooth, <laughs> I wonder... <laughs> What's the best time to trim them back and how much can I trim them back?
3: Okay. Perfect. Thank you for that, Ray. And I'll tell you what you hang up the phone, and then you can turn up the radio and you'll be able to hear better. Thank you. So um, it's so cute because just then I was going to go to Ray's email and had that right on top. And then, of course, looked up and sure enough, there's a a question up on the screen there, Ray, about oleanders. So Ray got a hold of me originally via email and asked the question that he's just asked now. Two big old oleander bushes, hobby greenhouse every year in the winter, uh, getting big, difficult to carry. And he did did say, I'm getting a little long in the tooth. (laughs) Uh, Question, when can I trim these two trees back and by how much? They're currently approximately six feet tall and about three feet wide. He has kept them shaped. He, he refers to them in a, he says, top ball. So what I think he's done is he's, he's trained them as trees. So we have a standard. We have a, a naked stem with uh, the growth and the bushiness all up on top. He said they're, very, pr- they're pretty healthy. So here's the trick, Ray, and for anybody else who has oleanders that are getting big and a little hard to handle – Always prune oleanders just before the growth starts, which would be in late winter or early spring. So assuming that Ray's got them out in the greenhouse now, they're going to overwinter there, just leave them alone for the winter uh, and let them do their thing. Then you can do some fairly radical pruning. And frankly, if we lived in the tropics or subtropics and these plants were overgrown, you can cut them right down to ground level and they'll come right back up. You know, almost like our, our hedges do here. Oleanders grow as a hedge in the warm climates. So, But for the purposes of what, what Ray's doing, he's already got them trained as a tree and I imagine he wants to maintain that shape so what i would do ray is you can prune back fairly hard so that you've got they're three feet wide bring them down to back down to two feet wide or even a foot and a half wide now the six feet tall is going to be a little tricky i mean you can obviously take some off the top you know a foot or two off Mm -hmm. the top but you can't bring them down to two feet tall otherwise there would be no, no green on them at all right um as they start to grow though after you've done that fairly heavy pruning in the early spring be prepared to pinch the tips to promote more bushiness as the season continues. So that you know every two weeks or so, just pinch the tips off and you'll find that you'll get some really beautiful shaping on the plants and they'll be nice and dense and, and just thick. Just take,
2: what, about a, a, just, a quarter inch? Yeah, uh, or yeah just like, with yeah. your
3: thumbnail, really. Oh, gosh. But something to keep in mind is that mm-hmm. all parts of oleanders are very poisonous. So when you do any clippings clippings or you say you were to use your thumb to do some pinching, you must wash your hands very thoroughly after that. And any of the trimmings, make sure that when you dispose of those, you dispose of them in a situation where nobody's going to chew on them. And even something as crazy as burning, uh, sometimes, you know, people will burn clippings. Do not ever burn oleanders because a very irritating smoke comes off of the the, the burning uh, branches. So yeah, just dispose of them as you, as you will, but be careful and recognize they're highly toxic.
2: Wow, okay, never heard that before, highly toxic. There you well, go, write
3: that down, okay. oleanders, highly, highly toxic. toxic. Okay,
2: got it. <laughs> Phone numbers for Charlie <laughs> Dobbin Garden Show here at AM 740 in Toronto, 416 and anywhere else in the province, my friends, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740, and we'll return right after these words.
1: Through rainy days and long droughts, infestations and early frost, she's the one constant in your garden. You're listening to the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: and Frank Proctor here, the sous chef of the garden, as saying hi to Jimmy in Port Colborne. Hi, Jimmy, how are you doing?
9: In there? Uh, by the way, that snail sitting there waiting for spring <laughs> <laughs> he
3: hasn't dug himself down nah. underground, huh?
9: No, I just get around, you know. Uh, yeah. About, about a month ago, you were going to tell me how to do uh, raise a um, a pomegranate tree in yes. the house.
3: mm mm-hmm. And I did report on that. Did were you not listening?
9: Well, yeah. You, uh, you never had time to finish it up. You told me to get a pen out. So I got. You said, wash the gel out the seeds first, right? Yeah. But then
3: the following week, I reported. You must have gone to the Canary Islands, like that, <laughs> like that other caller. Well, we i been who- a lot of other islands. <laughs>
9: <laughs> I'm <start> my own. <laughs> so have so you? I d- what know,
3: have you I done was. with? What have you done with those seeds? Have you gotten germinated I ate
9: yet? Them all. <laughs> I love pomegranates. I so will go crazy over them. Oh, so you ate them? Okay, <laughs> so
3: there's there's well, none. I hope I they
9: don't
2: start growing now.
9: <laughs> <laughs> if I had my teeth, I'd probably eat the skin too. Oh, so they're great.
3: They're but, uh, delicious. You and you
9: can grow them in a the house, eh?
3: Good for you. Yes. Well, you can.
9: Do I have to move out?
3: No, well, you may have to if they get very happy and healthy because they do grow into small trees, as you know.
9: they get? Like about six feet high or ten? Or...
3: Well, if you had optimal conditions, yes, they could get as much as six or ten feet tall, but that's yeah. optimal sort of outdoor conditions.
9: Well, I'm in an apartment, but you can't grow these around this province.
3: But... Not outside you can't. No. But, but there's nothing saying you can't start it. Just like we start, you know, little little avocado trees and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so certainly, I mean, try and hold back from eating every one of those seeds. Just wash all that little, remember we talked about that, that oh, You
9: said uh, take the gel off
3: Take first. the gel off, dry wash them up. Put dr-
9: them on a fridge and dry them or something? Or? Yeah, just
3: lay them on the counter, to let them dry Okay All right. Overnight Then overnight.
9: Yep Well, they got to dry for a few months, don't they?
3: No No, no, they should be ready to go It's just a question of, of you know, providing the right circumstances for them to grow Oh, See, with the, the reason you're probably thinking that they need to wait a couple of months is because...
9: Well, usually seeds have to dry out all winter, don't
3: they? W- yes. In our, in our um, climate we live in, yeah, yeah, okay. seeds often require three to four months of cold before Yard, they can uh, grow. Yeah. But you get to the tropics, and that's not the case at all. They, all they often need is just a dry period and well, some water, and they'll go.
9: No kidding. Yep. Uh, so just... says, farmers tell me you can't grow a peach tree or, you know, cherry trees from pits. Well, somebody threw some uh, pits out around where I have my garden, mm-hmm. and they froze all winter.
3: Yep, perfect.
9: Uh, and they grew. And they uh, froze, yep. and I guess somebody told me that things have to freeze before they'll germinate. Well, I didn't believe it. I seen a pitch pick with a tree coming out
3: of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true because again, the the peaches and the cherries yeah. are na- you know native to that our climate. First, yeah. The the pomegranate, on the other case, you know, is is more of a okay Florida type plant. So um so that's why it doesn't need the cold. But um but no, just provide the right circumstances. So wash off, like we said, wash off the the coating, yeah, okay. dry down, then provide a, a moist environment. Just even moist paper towels. Uh, you know. Wait
9: a minute, I'm all mixed up. Wash the gel off first. Yeah. Then we gotta dry them? What? Well, Dr- put them on a uh, paper towel first? Yep,
3: just dry them, lay them on a paper towel, and let them dry off overnight. Okay. Okay. Then take those seeds, and you can try planting them into moist soil.
9: You might know, got some real, uh, the, the best soil you can get. Perfect.
3: So just below the surface. Mm-hmm. A little bit of saran wrap over top to keep the the
9: moisture. Well, I got a a little greenhouse here.
3: Perfect. And then uh, let them, they could take a couple of weeks to germinate. Okay. Provide as much light and some, if you can put them in a warm spot. I love putting. To get seeds to germinate, I love putting the, the tray, the greenhouse tray you're referring to, up on top of the refrigerator. Yeah, it's nice and warm. Yeah, yeah, And you don't need light. i always to...
9: freezing downstairs here where I live. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like in the kitchen part, but I got radiators here, right?
3: Eh? Right. But your fridge is always nice and warm. Or the top of the television. You know, someplace where you've got right. just nice to sit the tray, someplace where it's warm yeah. from below. And that will stimulate the, the seeds mm-hmm. to germinate. Well, and then <laughs> lots of light. Water as necessary, and it'll grow into an amazing little little tree.
9: Yeah, Isn't that crazy. I mean, we don't. Our, our seasons aren't long enough and hot enough for those trees. eh? how long does it take for them to grow uh, in Arizona and Texas, where they come from?
3: Oh, it's still a, a number of years before they produce fruit. They don't produce fruit right away. They're at least three to five years old before they're flowering and fruiting. Oh, I'll be dead by then. <laughs> well, but don't worry. You, you're <laughs> unlikely know. to get <clears throat> the right Keep circumstances. The You'll get a nice little green bush, though.
9: Uh, it's nice to see things grow, you know. Yeah, it's great. So Thanks for the call, Jimmy. One. I we, bought a strawberry plant at the market that had six strawberries on it. Perfect. It's, oh, boy, I just love, love watching things grow. Yeah, good for Woke you. Up the next day, there's only one berry on it. The birds must have ate it uh, early in the morning. Yeah. I do not even have one strawberry.
3: <laughs> you gotta
2: uh, protect. Yeah,
9: you a very
2: win. a very Goody meager boarding. meal. <laughs> Jimmy, we've got to run. We've got to run, run along here, my friend. Uh, there are other folks waiting on the line. Okay. Thanks for your call. I think we answered your question. Read the pomegranate growing. And uh, now we're going to say hi to Sandra in Thornhill. Hi.
6: Hi. Morning. Good morning. What? I have a uh, Japanese maple. It's a uh, it's a um, a weeping maple, but it's a a short one. It's a bush. Mm-hmm and um i'd like to uh take it over to my son's house uh it's not doing well where it is it it froze at the top Mm -hmm. and we cut the leader off so it's it's really compact Mm -hmm. i'd like to dig it out from my place the leaves have dropped and take it over to my son's how would i do that
3: how long have you had it in the location it's in
6: oh 10 years
3: yeah so quite a while Mm -hmm. um It's funny. We had a call almost identical to this about three weeks ago. A gentleman who had, uh, it was getting too big in his case. The weeping Japanese maple was out of proportion. Yeah,
6: this is very wide. It's not going tall. It's just going wide. That's
3: right. And he wants, wanted to move it. And same thing. It had been in that location for about 10 years. For your best chance to transplant a plant of that age, the best way to do it is to root prune about six months prior to transplanting. So what you would do, actually, Frank just, Frank just demonstrated it here for me. Uh, you draw an imaginary circle around where, where the root ball, where you're going to dig it. All right. So the size of root ball you're going to lift. Because remember, you're going to take soil and roots with you when you go.
6: Right. Part of that, part of that uh, weeping is over uh, a walkway. Mm-hmm. How, do I, how do I handle that section? Just go as far as I can.
3: That's right I mean it won't be a perfect circle obviously it's right, going to be right, a you know okay. a ha- have a partial uh, um, straight side on it mm-hmm. but what you're going to try and do I mean you'll remember you, the root ball you want to be able to handle as uh, dig and and uh, control like you're going to wrap up and control the soil to keep it on those roots or pot this plant with as large a root ball as you can how, possibly how would I do that? handle well the, with uh, some strong men and a sharp shovel <laughs> No, I meant wrap it. Well, the wrapping, there's a, there's a real skill to wrapping, but what I've done in the past is I will um, dig a root ball, use an old piece of sheet, you know, a good, you need a good chunk of fabric, whether it's right. a piece of burlap or Burla- uh, tarp. Tarp can work, mm-hmm. and then uh, you, you basically dig a trench all the way around your right. root ball, and because you, you want to very carefully dig underneath the root ball. You don't want to oh, shake all the soil well? off. That's right, and you, you roll your, your tarp or your fabric down one side, and then you cut under with your shovel, and you tilt the plant away. So would, slide I be putting,
6: put, would, uh, would I be putting the tarp under now?
3: No, 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 because you're not going to do any transplanting right now.
6: Okay, so all I'm doing is the cutting now. That's
3: right. You can root prune now with your sharp shovel. Uh Root pruning is not making the perfect circle. It's missing every second shovel width, right? You're going to jump on a shovel and, and have it go underground and actually sever roots. But you're, not, but you're not going to make a full circle there. You're going to jump across the width of a, of a shovel width and then do it again and then leave a spot and then do it again. Gotcha, gotcha. You. So you'll do that now. Mm-hmm. Then by June of next June, you can actually complete the circle. And lift the entire plant out, right uh and like I say, you're going to want to keep as much root and as much soil attached to that root ball as you possibly can I, I understand as you're doing the transplanting, and have your son at the other end ready to go with a a whole dug and good soil on hand and manure and compost and all the important uh good soil that it's all about you know good plants need
6: what What do I do with that part on the top that that's so compact that where we had to cut it because it was a uh, dead? it's just like the 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 branches have intertwined so badly that it looks like just a, a a may you know like it's just thick
3: like a like um like it's thick at the top i know exactly what you're saying yeah you know what you need to do and you're going to find that even in the in the transplanting and moving of this plant some branches are going to get broken okay so when you get your new location, then you're going to do some cleaning up of all the branches that got broken. Okay, do it then. And exactly, you're also going to end up removing about a third of the above ground growth, and you'll do it by thinning, just as you say, all that crisscrossing and rubbing, branches that rub together. Right. It's going to take an hour or two of sitting there carefully removing the branches that are interfering with other branches. Okay, i Clean do that when I've whole, moved. That's it. right, because no point in doing that in advance. Stuff is going to get sort of busted up in the process anyway. Okay,
6: that makes sense.
3: Okay. Thank you very much. You're very Interesting welcome. question. Sandra, good thank luck. you
2: very much for uh, joining us here on the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. We'll return in just a moment.
1: Transplanting good ideas from one gardener to another. This is the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: And hello to Mary in Mississauga. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Good morning.
5: Good morning, Charlie. Um, last April, I bought a gardenia plant, mm-hmm. it was covered in buds. Mm-hmm but all the buds fell off. Now, this was in sort of a very spongy soil. Mm -hmm. Um, I watered it when it felt damp. I put my finger on the top when it felt damp. I watered it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the leaves fell off as well. Now, in late June, I planted this in the garden, Mm -hmm. and it's still there, and it has new leaves on it. And I'm wondering if I should bring it in now, and if so... Uh, I don't know how to look after it, but simply last time, you know, it just didn't work. Hmm. Could you tell me what kind of soil I would
3: use okay. So when you plen- what I do? When you planted it in the garden, you took it out of the pot it had been in, Yes, obviously. I did. All right. All right, so gardenias... Um, is it a like a tree type plant or is yes. it a little bush?
5: Yes, it's like a little tree type plant.
3: Okay, and when you got it in April, you had it outside right from that point forward. No,
5: I had it inside, inside. all the time because I thought, you know, i bought it in the greenhouse; mm-hmm. it should stay inside and keep warm. So it was always
3: inside. So until late June, then it went outside. Yeah. All right. So it is a tropical or subtropical plant, and it will if you want it to survive winter, it will have to come inside. Right. Sooner than later. Hmm. Um, your experience of the buds dropping is not that unusual. Uh, they are a, a very interesting plant. Um, the buds that you were, it was covered with is classic, that they come home, they're fat, they're juicy, they're shiny, they're gorgeous-looking plants, and then all of a sudden all these leaves and buds start falling right before your very eyes. Yeah. They need bright locations, they need very high humidity, and they need consistent moisture. So, um, back, so putting it out in June was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, leaving it out all summer, of course, we had lots of moisture this summer, mm-hmm. so no problem there. Uh, is it in a, a, an open spot where it was getting quite a lot of light this summer, yes, or was it it's quite it's shady? It's a,
5: a west window, so the sun's coming right in on it.
3: Okay. So, what you'll need to do is d- tomorrow, uh, today's not such a great day, but tomorrow's going to be a lovely day to be outside. Yeah. What I would do is I would go out there, have a pot ready. Uh, it could be the same pot you c- it came in or one slightly larger. Mm-hmm. You're gonna to have to dig it up out of the ground, and you're gonna find that a lot of that original soft, spongy soil you were talking about is still gonna be there, mm-hmm. attached to the roots typically gardenias are planted into a lot of sphagnum moss uh, or peat moss, very very mossy type soil. So that's fine because that holds a lot of moisture and that's what they want. Oh, So what you'll do is you'll dig it up uh, and put it into a pot. You now you can you may have to have a little bit of fresh potting soil with you. Uh, clean off any worms and, and things that might you might see attached. But I would not clean all the soil off the roots by any means. You know, you want to minimize the shock to the plant uh-huh. and so you can certainly give a bit of a a gentle wash to those roots yeah. pop pop the uh, root ball into the pot nice fresh uh potting soil to fill the the gaps water thoroughly bring it into your house, put it in a sunny location. Western is great. Western window is great, but lots of bright light. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, like I say, water immediately upon bringing it in. And then keep an eye on it. You will lose some leaves. There's no question there's going to be a little bit of leaf droppage just because of the light level change. Mist, mist, mist. A couple times a day keep misting with nice room temperature water and, um, and feel the soil. Keep it moist at all times. Not soaking wet, but moist at all times. And the trick will be to get it through the winter and come spring get it back outside again and i think you'll find you can sort of get a bit of a system going there uh having it out in the summer and in in the winter and just finding that right balance between light levels and moisture levels will be your, your biggest challenge but it's a they're great plants if you can keep them going
5: it is a beautiful plant i just thought you know with the uh, sort of that spongy root stuff that it had that the water was just going right through but
3: that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah, that spongy uh, soil mix or peat-type mix holds moisture quite effectively. So that's why it is quite good. But get a slightly bigger pot and some fresh potting soil if you need to. All right. Thank
2: you very much, Mary. And Thanks, we're fresh Mary. Fresh out of time here. My gosh, I know. bumping up against Where the news go? guy. Oh. Bob's going to be uh, mad at us if we don't get
3: better. Going. Get going. <laughs> well, thank you so much to all the great calls today. Thank Absolutely, you, Frank. Again, as usual, the best sous chef in the whole world. Oh, well, there you are, Gracie, the best little phone answer <laughs> around.
2: <laughs> and we'll be back uh, referring to we royalty, of course. Uh, <laughs> she'll return after the news with Bob
0: Shepard. Thank you, Charlie. See I'll you next week. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.